You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. If you are 15 years of age or older and you've gone through the process of becoming a member, thanks so much for filling out your ballot this morning after the sermon has finished, okay? Oh, nobody laughed much. That didn't go over. Everybody was filling out their ballots, right? And you didn't, yeah, hear the joke, yeah. So I came into the office the other day, and uh, somebody said to me right when I got off the elevator, it was a work day, um, did you go to the break room? And I go, no, what's in the break room? And they said, donuts. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to eat a donut, you know, today. I, I shouldn't. I should pass on the donut. And then they kept talking, but I didn't really hear them, and I just kind of interrupted and said, you know where the donuts came from? Which shop? And they're like, no. And then I go to another office. And the first thing I said to the person in the next office was, uh, did you go to the break room? Did you know I heard there's donuts in there? And the person said, yeah, are you going to eat one? And I said, I don't know. You know, I'm struggling. You know, I, I shouldn't. But just in a few minutes, I found myself standing in the break room looking at the donuts. I don't even know how I got in there. Um, and so I'm perusing, thinking, I wonder what that one has in it. And then I get a plate. And I put a donut on it, and I put it in the microwave because, you know, donuts are just so much better if you just zap them for a few seconds before you eat them, you know. And so I'm enjoying every bite of this donut. And you say, Rick, what is it with you and donuts? Well, I'll tell you what it is with me and donuts. I live with this thing called an appetite, okay? I have an incredible appetite. So I'm one of those people, when I stand up from the table from eating a meal, I'm like, I just wish I had a bite of something. You know, I'm the guy 30 minutes later standing in the refrigerator with the door, standing with the refrigerator door open saying, I'm hungry, but I don't know what I want. I just live with this incredible appetite. So let me give you a definition real quick. Look at the screen with me, will you? An appetite is an instinctive physical desire. So a desire to eat food would be an instinctive physical desire. So you can apply that to any physical desire that you might have, okay? Another definition would be a strong wish or urge. They say it's going to be 70 degrees today. You know what I'm thinking about all day long? Man, I've got such an urge, such a desire, such an appetite to play golf. The weather is beautiful out there. So it's any kind of a strong urge or wish or any kind of a instinctive physical desire that you might have. So let's think about the appetites that you have, okay? Food, we all have that appetite. You also have an appetite for um, control. You have an appetite for success. We have appetites for sex. We have appetites for love. We have appetites for acceptance. So somebody may be saying, hey, could you just time out for a second right there? Like, are those things wrong? Is that what you're implying? Not at all. Those are God-given desires. Think about what trouble you would be in physically if you had no appetite for food, if you had to force feed yourself every time you ate. Or think about what your life would be like if you had no appetite for control. You know the New Testament says, be self-controlled. You should get control of your life. What, what would we be like if nobody had an appetite to succeed? I mean, we would be pathetic. 
And the appetite that you live with for sex or the appetite that you live with for love or the appetite that you live with for acceptance are God-given desires. Inherently, they are not evil on their own. So you might be asking, so what's the problem? Here's the problem. The enemy, and you have an enemy, and in the New Testament, in the book of 1 Peter, it tells you his name. Your enemy, the devil. He tempts you and me at the point of our appetites. That's why you have to be careful. Listen to this. When the enemy decided to tempt Jesus, he even tempted Jesus at the point of his appetite. Jesus had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And you know what the enemy said to Jesus? Could I interest you in some fresh baked bread right out of the oven with a little butter spread over the top? You know. So let me, let me dive into this story with you. Jesus is 30 years old. So who do you know that's 30 years old? Jesus is 30 years old. John the Baptist is preparing the way for him. And Jesus is baptized by John. Now, this is an awesome story. He comes up out of the water, hair, you know, wet, rubbing it out of his eyes. And all of a sudden, there is the voice of God. God speaks. And here's what God says. This is my Son, whom I love. And in Him, this man... I am well pleased. So it was this confirmation where God was saying, Jesus, you're on the right path. You're living the life that I want you to live. My plan is working out in you. Keep on the path that you're on. And right after he's baptized, think about this, right after he's baptized, he goes to the wilderness, and in the wilderness, he is tempted. And there is now another voice. He's just heard the voice of God say, you're on the right path. And now there's another voice, and it's the voice of the devil. And the devil is saying, is there anything I can do to distract you and get you off that path? So you think about your own life, and you think about how that you know God has a plan for you. And, and God has a path for you. And think about those times in your life when you've given into temptation and you have sinned. How many steps backward did you take from that path and that plan that God had for your life? See, that's the enemy's thinking. And so I'm going to give you a definition of temptation, okay? It's a good definition. I know it's a good definition because I wrote it. But I wrote it based on the passage today, okay? And here's what it is. When a person is enticed, okay, that means the enemy entices you. At the point of your appetites, okay? When a person is enticed to live contrary to God's plan for their lives. So you're saying, Rick, I'm on a good path, man. I'm telling you. God's got a plan for me, and I'm living into God's plan. I'm walking with the Father, all right? I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. I'm into the Word, what the Word is teaching me to do. I'm praying. I'm living my life. I want to be the person that lives my life into God's plan. Then the enemy is saying, you're my number one target. 
I'm going to entice you in every way I can to live contrary to God's plan for your life. I'm going to try to get you to choose a different path than you're on today. So let me take you to this awesome story in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Okay, Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Jesus has been baptized. He is now in the wilderness before he begins his preaching ministry. And here's how the story unfolds. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You're saying, but he was like God too, right? So was he really hungry? One nature does not diminish the other. Fully God, fully human. He was fully human. Any full human who goes 40 days without eating is hungry. Jesus was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God... Now, you've got to remember that just earlier at his baptism, what happens? God says, this is my Son. And now the enemy says, can I cast a little doubt? If you are the Son of God. What do you mean, if I am the Son of God? God just said, I was his Son. And the enemy says, okay, supposing maybe you are. That's his tactic, okay? If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered. He answers with the Word of God. I love this. Jesus is a champ right here. He's always a champ. But He really shines bright right here. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's something more important to me, and that is that I'm going to live according to what God says. And then the devil took him for the second temptation to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he says it again. Let me cast some more doubt. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. So the devil quotes Scripture. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will not lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Or they will lift you up so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Meaning God's not going to let anything happen to His anointed. And Jesus answered again with Scripture, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. I'm not going to play games with God. I'm not going to make deals with God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. And once again, like a champ, he comes at Scripture, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. And I love these next words. And then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. So would you just look at my eyes for a minute? Jesus overcame temptation. Did you know that the Bible says this? You can overcome temptation also. The Bible says that God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can stand. And every time you're tempted, every time, every time, every time you're tempted, that God will provide a way out. So, so I'm looking at somebody right now who is saying to me, Rick, this past week I was tempted to sin. And I caved. I gave in. I hate it. It stinks. 
I'm aggravated at myself about it. But I gave in. I don't want to give in again. So how in the world can I resist temptation when it comes my way? Because I'm talking about big stuff here. This is strong. I'm talking about a heart beating pretty fast. I'm talking about chemical things happen inside of me. I want this in this moment. I desire it in this moment. It's an urge, and it's a strong urge. And I'm like, I don't want to give in to this, man. I want to make God proud. I don't want to be distracted. I want to stay on this path with God. But man, the enemy has my number. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how Jesus overcame temptation and about how Jesus has provided for me and you to overcome temptation. Are you ready? All right. That was pretty strong. I'm liking it. A few years ago, we had this couple family, two kids, show up at our church that I was pastoring at the time. His name was Tony. Her name was Lauren. They'd only been there maybe eight weeks. And I'm telling you, they had a radical transformation in their lives. When I say it was like they were born again, like their life started, this whole new life, that's what I mean. I mean, they... They were forgiven of their sins. They had new purpose and meaning. They gave 110% of themselves to following Jesus. I mean, it was radical. And, and they were just full of life. When you saw them, you were just like, great day. You know, what, what has God done to these people? It was just awesome. And so after they had been walking with the Lord only for a little while, he made an appointment with me one day, and Tony came to my office, and he says, um, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, okay. He says, uh, you know, my family, my kids, they were like maybe 8 and 10, something like that. And I said, yeah. And he says, you know, we're not married. I said, you're not married. No. He says, but since... I've been really desiring to be the person that God wants me to be and all of this love that God's given me and all this forgiveness. I just want to do what God wants. I'm convinced that God wants me to marry Lauren. And then he takes the next few minutes and just lays out the plan. I said, I think you got a great plan. And then we pray together, and he takes off. And so he goes home, and he gets a family meeting. And he says to his two kids, You know, we're really different these days. We love God. God loves us. We want to do what God wants us to do. And I've been praying a lot about my life. And I believe that God wants me to marry your mom. And so I asked her if she would marry me, and she said yes. Kids are excited. They've been wanting to get married, and they're all happy about it. He could have just left it at that and gone on, but he does not. Here's what he does. Here's what he says. He says, so I don't have any money to marry your mom with. Your mom deserves a wedding. She's always envisioned this awesome wedding. I don't have the money to put on this wedding, so I'm going to have to save some money. It's going to take me a couple of months to save the money. And then he looks at his young son, about 10 years old. So here's what I'm going to do, sport. 
I'm going to move into your bedroom with you. Would that be okay? And I'm going to save money. And when I get money saved, we're going to have a big wedding. And so Annette and I remember it really well. We sometimes just kind of celebrate it when we think about it. They did engagement pictures. They plastered them on the wedding invitation, sent them to all their family, all their friends, all their church. There were tons of us that showed up at this wedding. It was huge. It was celebrative. It was everything awesome, decked out, spent a lot of money, just did it right. Because here's what Tony decided he was going to say to his kids. We are not going to trade God's best, God's wishes, God's will, God's desires. We're not going to trade what God wants. We're not going to trade God's best for something now. We're not going to do it. When we look at our lives, okay, as a family, we're just not going to trade what God wants, what God desires, God's wishes, God's best, God's will. We're not going to trade all of that just to have something right now. We're going to wait for God. So there's this preacher that I kind of like. His name is Levi Lusco. He says it this way. Now yells louder. In fact, now yells much louder. <laughs> you and I would say in our lives, now has a very loud voice. Don't you agree? I mean, I can hear now all the time. But later, later lasts longer. See, we, we're always into now, right? I want it now. Like, can we have it now? Can we do something today? It's always the loudest voice in our mind. But later... Later lasts longer. So you've got to put yourself in this story. And you've got to realize where Jesus is in the story. So the enemy is saying to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, I know, I know, I know what you're about to go through. I, I'm talking to you about a deal we can get done today. See, I've already, I've already read the other scriptures. And you and I know that one day Jesus will have it all. Do you know what the Bible says? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We know that one day he's going to have it all. And the enemy is saying, I'm talking about a deal I can get done right here today. And so this is the question that Jesus is confronted with. And it's the question that you and I get confronted with every time we are tempted. Will I satisfy an appetite now? Or will I wait for God's plan to unfold in my life? It's always the question. Am I going to satisfy an appetite today? Because I got a voice in my head telling me we can get this done today. Or am I going to wait for God's plan to unfold in my life? See, in those seasons of not yet, the prayers haven't been answered yet. The enemy is saying to us, I can get something done today. So you might be sitting there saying, listen to yourself. Rick, 
Are you thinking about what you're saying? Who would, who would think of such a thing? Who would trade God's future for their life to satisfy an appetite now? It's been happening ever since Adam and Eve ate of the fruit in the garden. Now that looks good. <laughs> I think I would like to have me some of that. I sat with a guy not long ago. He said, Pastor Rick, something came into my life and it looked so good to me and so appealing and my heart was beating so fast and I wanted it so bad that I put God's plan over here and I satisfied an appetite and I've lost everything. So I'm going to give you another definition, and this is a good one too. It's one I borrowed. Temptation is a desire to engage in short-term, short-term urges. It's a desire to engage in short-term urges that threatens long-term goals. So if I say yes to the enemy today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to satisfy a short-term urge, but I'm going to compromise a long-term goal. And, and I'm, I'm looking at people in this room, and you're looking at a person in this room who would say, when I have given in to temptation, it's just like in what God's trying to do in me and through me and all of that, I just, I just take steps backwards. It distracts me from what God is trying to do in and through me and His plan for me. Okay, so we know, we know what temptation is. It's the enemy trying to distract you from God's plan, right? That's what temptation is. And we all have to deal with the same question. Am I going to satisfy an appetite now or am I going to wait for God's plan to unfold in my life? Let me move to the next section. Here we go. I want to talk to you about a conversation that took place. I know it took place. I just don't know where. I don't know with how many people. But, but I know the conversation happened. I only know one person who was involved in the conversation, and he was the one telling the story, and that is Jesus. And here's what he said to either one person or two people or three people or a group of people at some point in his life. Here's what he said. I don't know where. I don't know who the other people were. I could only guess, but I know the conversation took place. I am positive Jesus said this to somebody. I just don't know when and where or who. You know, I was 30 years old and I was baptized and it was, it was a holy, sacred moment. We all heard the voice of God. It was such a confirmation that I was on the right path. And right after the baptism, I go into the wilderness to fast and pray. I was there 40 days and 40 nights. I didn't eat a morsel for 40 days. Only drink water. And I was hungry. I don't mean I was hungry. I mean I was hungry. And the devil showed up. 
And he had all of his guns loaded. And he comes at me. And he offers me power and independence. I was able to stand strong and I came back with Scripture. I gave him Deuteronomy 6. He comes at me again. And this time he's offering me glory. But glory without the cross. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You can have it now. I come back again from the book of Deuteronomy. He comes at me a third time. And this time he's just saying, you can have everything. You can have the, the whole world. I'll give you the control. But somehow, by God's grace, even in that state of going without food for 40 days and 40 nights, I was able to come back with Scripture again. And I was able to stay strong. And you know what happened after the third time? He leaves me. He walked away. And there I was. I was just a puddle. I was a mess. I was emotionally broken. And it was in that moment that God sent angels and they just came and they attended to me. And there I was in the presence of my father and I knew I'd passed the test. See, I think, I think you are going to have a wilderness experience like Jesus was having. I don't want to cast gloom on you, but I know you're going to have a wilderness experience like Jesus was having. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And when you get in that dark time, that difficult time of your life, the tempter is going to come to you like he came to Jesus because he determines in his mind that you may be weak. When you're going through the tough stuff, that's when you begin to say, God, come on, where are you, you know? And he's going to tempt you. And when he does, this is what you've got to know in your mind today. How am I going to respond? What's going to keep me from satisfying an appetite instead of waiting for God's long-term plan in my life? And so we're in a series called Listen to Him. So for these next six weeks, we're going to just talk about what did Jesus say? There's a lot of voices trying to get in your head today. There's a lot of people trying to tell you about morality and right and wrong and everything else. Let's just go back and listen to Jesus, could we? And over these next six weeks, let's just say, what what did Jesus say? And so when you find yourself in the wilderness and you find yourself being tempted and you find yourself saying, now how am I going to respond? Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Go back to Jesus' words. And here's what Jesus says. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Do you think I think I'm my provider? Oh, no. God provides my bread and everything else. I will never take that place. Are you absolutely kidding me? Do you think that I am going to, in this moment, determine that I'm going to try to mess with God, that I'm going to play games with God, that I'm going to try to manipulate the Father? I I don't do that. The Father and I, we're in this trust relationship. I'm not playing games. Do you think I'm going to bow down and worship someone other than God the Father? Absolutely not. And this is the response to temptation. You just do what Jesus does and says, you know what? 
God is at the very center of my life, and I'm going to keep him at the center. I will live on every word from the mouth of God. That's what will guide my life. I will, from this point forward, never play a game with God or make a deal with God. We don't make deals. I'm in a trust relationship with God. And I will worship Him with the rest of my days. I won't bow down to anybody else. You're not going to get me to bow down to your goofy tricks. And it's a matter of just saying, I'm going to keep God at the center. It's what He wants. It's what He determines. It's what He wills. It's what He wishes. When I look at the life of Jesus, I love these verses where it says they were looking for Him and they couldn't find Him and they go finally find Him and they go, where, where were you? We couldn't find you. And the Word says He had slipped off to pray. Just this practice in His life. Jesus is in the mountains. What's He doing in the mountains? He prays all night. Do you know the reason that Jesus kept quoting Scripture to the devil is because Jesus knew the Scripture. It was a practice of His. We often talk about these practices that we just can't compromise in our lives. They're so important. And so when Jesus found Himself in a tight place, He had the Scripture in His heart. He had the relationship with the Father where He prayed. And so there's another practice that we talk about often here, and it's this practice that is in front of me. It's this practice of celebrating the Lord's Supper together. So if you guys want to come, we'll, we'll get started. But uh, John Wesley has influenced us so much in our understanding of God and Jesus. And he says this is actually a means of grace. Like praying is a means of grace. And like studying the Scripture is a means of grace. Okay? How does God get grace to you to withstand temptation? And John Wesley says, why wouldn't you do this every time you get a chance? Because when you eat and when you drink, you're receiving the grace of Jesus into your life in this moment. Grace to withstand temptation. So why don't you stand with me? And those of you who are going to serve us, come forward at this time. So in a moment... A tray is going to pass in front of you. And if you are sincerely seeking Jesus, you are welcome to partake. There will be two cups stacked together. So you'll take the stack, and in the bottom cup there's a piece of bread. And in the top of the cup there is drink. And you can just maybe go ahead and put the bread in your hand and stack the cups back together. And then after you have that, maybe you might just wait until everybody in the room has been served. Because what we would love to do is everybody eat and drink together, okay? If you've given in to temptation and you need forgiveness for that today, there is grace here for your forgiveness. If you are being tempted and you're saying, I don't want to give in, there is grace here to help you to withstand the temptation. But we're in a season right now called Lent, a season of repentance. And it's okay to take the cup when it passes by you. 
and to pray a prayer of confession and then receive God's grace and His forgiveness and His strength. So let's pray together through the words of the song. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.